FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at fantasyguru.com. We welcome you into another edition of Fantasy Sports Daily on December 18th, one week away from the uh, big holiday. So get that shopping done. And also one week past where we were seven days ago, Ray Flowers, where I think seven days ago we, we, we opened the show and we started getting into things, discussing week 14 and getting ready for the fantasy playoffs in week 15. And it was a question of, uh, man, who am I going to turn to if I just lost Justin Herbert? Or if I just lost C.J. Stroud, and lo and behold, Ray, I'm looking at the top 10 quarterback scores for Week 15. These guys were all top 10. Baker Mayfield, Aiden O'Connell, Gardner Minshew, Derek Carr, Easton Stick, Jake Browning, Nick Mullins, and Joe Flacco. Ray, playoff heroes in Week 15. <laughs> Well, they had to be playoff heroes because no one else was at the quarterback position playing. Someone had to throw the passes. But yeah, it's we talked about this last week on the show and in Discord at fantasyguru.com and all articles and everything at the site that this is that was or continues to be because we have Monday Night Football, one of the most difficult and most challenging first weeks of the playoffs we've had in a long time. There were so many guys that were out with injury. There were so many players who were kind of on that border. We weren't sure, you know, Sunday morning were they even going to play. Uh, it was a rough week, so if you are looking pretty good heading into Monday Night Football, give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, a couple of stud receivers, of course, did not play. Tyree Kill and Chris Olave were out. Uh, a lot of people were scrambling with uh, the Brian Robinson news. And even, Ray, speaking of scrambling, I guess it was right when you were on Twitter, you know, those, those two, three hours before kickoff yesterday, we got the news on Jalen Hurts with Monday Night Football. And, and that threw a wrench in a lot of plans because that's obviously a guy you start. We had mm-hmm. heard nothing he's ill which you know i i always see illness ray and to me i'm like oh he'll be fine right you know he, he had a little bug but he'll be fine in 36 hours or whatever it may be but for a lot of people yesterday morning all of a sudden they probably had to go out and pick up marcus mariota or drew lock and and then cross their fingers hoping that that hurts would be ready to go later tonight against the seahawks yeah they flexed this game to monday right and it's possible that we'll have two backup quarterbacks. <laughs> Good for that, NFL. But yeah, this, that was a question. And, you know, I I understand when people ask this question, right? I, how do you answer the question? All I could do is say, look, if it was me, I'm waiting on Jalen Hurts. Oh, if yeah. I can yeah. add, like you said, if I can add Drew Locke, if I can add Mariota, Mariota obviously would be ideal because it'd be his direct backup. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait. If you don't have an option, who else are you looking at? Is it Matthew Stafford? Okay. Is it Sam Howell? Not doing that. So I think it came down to what people had in the kitty. But yeah, that was that was tough. There were a lot of very nervous people when that news broke yesterday morning. Well, I'm guessing some nervous people this morning as we get things rolling on FSD. Uh, a lot of people playing Eagles. Uh, plenty of Seahawks are uh, in battle as well. So if you're going down to the wire in week 15, the first week of the playoffs, good luck this evening. We will, of course. As always, take a uh, Monday Night Football DFS preview with Ryan Clifford. He's going to join us in about an hour. Until then, we will react to everything that went down in week number 15. Yes, streaming quarterbacks can sometimes work. You don't want to live that way, but in an emergency situation, it can still work. Uh, The 49ers, totally unstoppable. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, absolutely stoppable. Uh, Raheem Mostert. Ray, is it fair to say the most unexpected 20-touchdown season ever? 
Raheem Mostert. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look, but when you set a franchise record and get in the end zone 20 times when no one was talking about you and you were a ninth round pick, probably Kyle. A couple of more touchdowns for Mostert, who does indeed get to 20 touchdowns. He was not the only AFC East running back that was killing it. James Cook looking exceptional for Buffalo. Terry McLaurin, if you survived to this point, if you made the postseason, if you kept the faith, he finally came through. And of course, on a Monday, we will recap injuries. We had the uh, setback to Jamar Chase on Saturday, uh, Keaton Mitchell on Sunday night, and then Trevor Lawrence popping up with an injury as well on Sunday night as the Jaguars lose to the Ravens. Mentioned Monday night football with Ryan, and uh, we'll sneak in some baseball, some news and notes over the weekend. So a full slate coming your way over the next hour, obviously going game by game. Uh, we are one week away from the big holiday, one week away from the give, uh, the big gift exchange. And Ray, the easiest way to win the day, if you have a fantasy sports fan in your life, is to go to fantasyguru.com and sign up for the services and to use the promo codes that we have heading into the holidays. Yeah, on the top right side of the page, you can just go there and click join now. Uh, you can obviously see the links there as well. We always post them in, in the article on, on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at elite plus network. Uh, the promo codes are simple. FSD20 gets you a 20% discount on any of the products we've got. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, racing, soccer, any of that stuff. That's promo code FSD20. And then the special code for the holiday season that Kyle was referencing is HO-HO. Let's get a little jolly. H-O-H-O. That gets you all the football coverage from now through the Super Bowl. Ray, Kyle, I'm out of the regular season. Play DFS. Do some wagering. It covers seasonal. DFS and wagering from now through the Super Bowl. That's the promo code ho ho. So uh, join us. Uh, we got lots to offer articles, live streams, uh, Discord, all that stuff over at fantasyguru.com. Absolutely. And of course, uh, we are here every day, 11 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, I should say, every weekday. Uh, the holidays may be a little different around here, but for the most part, you'll be seeing a lot of Ray and I over the upcoming weeks. So again, tune in, whether it's uh, via X, Facebook, the YouTube channel. Uh, we love having you on board. And again, as always, questions, comments, thoughts coming out of week 15. We welcome those in the comments section. Now, as usual on a Monday, Ray and I go game by game and talk about all the uh, fantasy relevant information, results, analysis, stats that came out of Sunday's action. And of course, it was a little different week. Uh, no college football on a Saturday. So as is usual, the NFL kind of takes advantage of that open Saturday window. Uh, the games set up as, as solid ones. I would say one of the three games on Saturday was actually living up to the billing. Uh, that, of course, the OT winner by Cincinnati over Minnesota. As for the other two games, uh, Indianapolis storming back from a 13 to nothing deficit. They eventually win over Pittsburgh 30 to 13. And Detroit uh, kind of gets back on the right foot with a, a 42 to 17 victory over Denver, which left us, Ray, with 11 games on Sunday. A pretty, you know, stacked slate of games with a lot of early action, a few games in the late window, and of course the Sunday nighter between the Ravens and the Jaguars. We will start our journey through all things Week 15 by going to Orchard Park, New York, uh, a very rainy Buffalo Bills-Dallas Cowboys game. And Ray, it was very notable because Dallas was just bad, which was a huge letdown for fantasy players. Mm -hmm. And Buffalo was good, but Buffalo was very different from what you expect of Buffalo, the fact that the Bills could put up 31 points and Josh Allen Ray completes seven passes for less than 100 yards is 
pretty damn remarkable that Buffalo could do that to the Cowboys. Now, I, hey, I get it. The Cowboys, that they, they, they never do anything on the road. But that has been a very good team this year, a very good defense. And Buffalo, it was the hot knife through butter, Ray, with the rushing attack. James Cook was unstoppable in this game against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm in the FSGA playoffs, and I have Allen and Diggs. Uh, and so now, come on, man. Come on. You got nothing more than this. So uh, I'm down tonight to Devonta Smith versus DK Metcalf. We're like two points apart heading into tonight, so we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, that was – I mean, I kept I kept thinking this yesterday when I was watching this. Are the Cowboys a paper tiger? They they are not. They do not perform well when the competition's good. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're ten and four. They're in the driver's seat for playoff spot. All this kind of stuff. But they got killed. And you know, I, a lot of people said, "Oh, James Cook." Like I don't know. It's a tough defense. Tough defense. James Cook ran through that defense like they were high schoolers. Like he mm-hmm. trashed them. And you're. It's amazing to see the Bills so thoroughly win a football game. Where, like you said, Josh Allen had to do nothing. All he, Josh Allen did more as a runner, breaking tackles and scoring out with his leg, than he did as a passer. And you know, 31 points against the vaunted Cowboys defense. When your quarterback throws for 94 yards, they crushed him, Kyle. And it was because James Cook looked great, and the Cowboys had no answer. You know, luckily for an Allen owner, you still got two touchdowns, including a rushing touchdown. So it wasn't a disaster. It, it was much less than you were hoping for, but it wasn't an absolute disaster. Stefan Diggs. Kind of close to a disaster, and that's kind of been the last month for Diggs. Yeah. I mean, you look at four of his last five games, there's not a whole lot there. Gabe Davis is just oh my god, maddening. <laughs> Three of five games with zero catches. Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, nothing from those guys. And and Ray with Cook, I brought this up before. Man, he looks good mm-hmm. when he gets a, a chance to run. Um, he looks good. Unfortunately, I, I hey, you're not going to complain with yesterday, but. He could have had a third touchdown, and he still lost a couple of touchdowns, one to Latavius Murray and one to Josh Allen. Both those guys had a one-yard touchdown run, mm-hmm. and and that's not changing for James Cook, Ray. Unfortunately, that's the game plan for the Buffalo Bills. It's been that way since way back in week one, that when they get inside the five or inside the two, it's not James Cook. So, you know, the payoff was great, and he's a playoff hero. But I feel a lot of people maybe didn't get to enjoy that moment with James Cook because they may have not gotten there with James Cook. He had four touchdowns total. I think it was before yesterday's game. So you might have not even made the fantasy playoffs and and, and got to receive this you know, 25 touches, 220 plus yards. A lot of people are probably angry at the Bills and James Cook. That didn't happen once in the regular fantasy season. Yeah, they changed offensive coordinators. And to your point, it hasn't done anything to help uh, Stefan Dix. He's still just middling along here. But James Cook has exploded the last three games. And, you know, that speaks to what you were saying. Like, this guy needs to be more involved. They've done that. Uh, it is maddening to see, you know, the ghost of, you know, Latavius Murray still stealing touchdowns. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and 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 Cook, it's, it's really – I mean, Ty Johnson was on the field at the goal line and not James Cook. Like, mm-hmm. I don't – I don't get it. I don't. I don't get that part. I'm not going to complain. He had you know almost 30 touches and 200 yards and touchdown, two touchdowns and all that stuff. But you're right. It could have been a massive game instead of just a humongous one if they would used him differently. As for Dallas, right? Here's the issue. You mentioned Paper Tiger, and and I think they're a good team, but it's very evident. And and they have had this reputation now for like damn near a decade. Everybody gets fired up whenever they stomp lousy opponents, and they're usually doing it at home. 
And then they go on the road and they face good teams and they get stomped to themselves. Um, you know, we saw that, of course, last night. We saw it earlier in the year um, against San Francisco. Uh, they are undefeated at home and they're, I think, under 500 on the road. Dak Prescott, Ray, um, at home this year, this is seven games. Let me pull up the numbers to make sure I have this right. Um, in, in seven home games, he has never been below 255 yards passing. In the road games this year, he has four road games under 200 yards. I mean, their only touchdown comes with three minutes to go in that game. And the concern is, okay, you could say one off, you know, you ran it, the weather, the bus, all that. Two of their next three games are on the road. Now, now they go to Miami. That's a road game. That, that's all of a sudden worrisome. And if you are playing week 18, and I realize many are not, uh, they're going to be at Washington. And Ray, by then, they may have missed out on the NFC East title. They may have their playoff positioning locked. So if you're playing week 18, a lot of these guys could be sitting in that week 18. And like I said, you're on the road against Miami this week. I'm still starting these guys. Right. Like I, I'm still at the play CD Lamb and probably Pollard and Ferguson. And these guys are still playing, but all of your expectations are kind of muted because that's just the team they have been away from Arlington in 2023. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. On the broadcast, they were talking a lot about Dak being the front runner for MVP. They were, you know, came up over and over again. You don't lose 31 to 10 on the road if you got the MVP. I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't know who the MVP is going to be. It seems to be the swellest building for Brock Purdy, who again just yeah. throws passes to wide open guys. Love Brock Purdy. But <laughs> um yeah, I don't know with the Cowboys. Uh it, you can't I agree with you. You can't sit Pollard, you can't sit Ferguson, you can't sit Prescott or we'll see yeah. Lamb. You can't. Can you have the expectations that they're going to give you league-winning weeks on the road? I don't think you can. Yeah. You still have to play them. You can be upset. I know you're upset. Some of you might be out <laughs> because of the performance yesterday. Uh, but the Cowboys still probably a start. It, it was very bewildering um, as to why Dak Prescott was in that game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I don't really understand that in the crappy conditions. When it was 31-3, to three, it's like, why are we playing yeah. Dak Prescott? But he was, um, did not help his MVP case, though. Uh, it was a rushing touchdown for C.D. Lamb late. Let's go to that other game, San Francisco, Arizona, right? Because you're right, Brock Purdy and, and really the 49ers, that train just keeps chugging along. It's it's rather remarkable. It's it's almost impossible to recall the three-game losing streak in the middle of the season. <laughs> and you're like, what in the world happened there? Because they're healthy now, Ray, and they're they're just absolutely – obliterating teams and and I, I hey i'll give it to arizona arizona actually made this a game they lose by 16 arizona doesn't have near the talent to compete with san francisco so when the cardinals make mistakes it opens up doors and the 49ers tear through that door you mentioned purdy for mvp and, and kind of the resurgent talk there four touchdowns a huge game for him he's he's racking up touchdown throws but ray it's and i don't know if i'm coming at this from a fantasy perspective but isn't this rather obvious? Christian McCaffrey is the league MVP. Like, why is this so difficult? Like, we're hearing Lamar Jackson, too. But Christian McCaffrey is absolutely the league MVP. I I get it. People want to vote quarterbacks. But when no quarterback is separating himself from the pack, why can't we appreciate and give votes to a guy who's having another truly historic season like McCaffrey? He as well, is at 20 touchdowns on the season. Yeah, he had three touchdowns yesterday. had almost 200 yards from scrimmage. Uh, and to clarify my statement about Brock Purdy, I mean, I'm going to say something that is shocking to people. But at least two of the touchdown passes that Brock Purdy threw yesterday, Desmond Ritter could have hit. I think. <laughs> he he might have missed them. No one covered Debo Samuel. Like, literally, no one covered Debo Samuel. No one covered 
Christian McCaffrey. These guys are open by 15 yards. Like no one's covering. They do a great job of scheming. Purdy sits in the pocket, dissects it, makes good passes. They steamroll opponents. But to your point, you know, this offense looks completely different when Debo Samuel is out. This offense looks completely different, would look completely different if Christian McCaffrey were ever down. Purdy right steers the ship and he does a great job of it. But the MVP of the Niners is McCaffrey. If MVP of the Niners is McCaffrey, you can't have Purdy be the league MVP, right? Yeah. Uh, let's just say that it, you know, from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't matter because it all works. And I, you know, I think, and it, I'm not going to say that it's not McCaffrey, but Debo Samuel really transforms this offense when he's healthy. And you and I have talked about this for years. You know, he is a special player, and you know, he didn't do much yardage wise, but he had two touchdowns. He's on a tremendous roll right now. And when they've got him and McCaffrey and Purdy and Kittle and Ayuk, like, how do you stop that? And the answer is, mm -hmm. you really don't. And and with McCaffrey, Ray, um, we need to remind everybody coming into this year, he was not the number one pick in ADP. That was Justin Jefferson. Uh, McCaffrey was, you know, getting number one in a few, but it was it was split, if not leaning towards Jefferson. Uh, his final ADP uh, in the NFFC was higher than McCaffrey. But Ray, looking ahead to next year, have we kind of entered where we were, say? I don't know, six years ago with Mike Trout and fantasy baseball, where it's like, okay, you got to go Mike Trout. Who cares? He's, he's a, is that going to be McCaffrey next year? Like, should he be number one in 90% of drafts going into 2024? Yeah. I mean, gotta be. I, I perform, perform. Well, look, remember what we saw, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. It's way too early to, but remember what we saw the last two years with Austin Eckler? Austin Eckler had 38 touchdowns the last two years. Now, the offense changed, and we talked a lot about that in the preseason, okay. But all of a sudden, and, you know, McCaffrey, there's a lot of work on that body, Kyle. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of work on that body. You know, I think it'll be very difficult to make a – it'll be difficult but not impossible to make a case to go with someone else. When McCaffrey's out there, you know, catching 80 pass, 75 passes and giving you 2,000 yards and scoring 25 touchdowns, like, that's – Ladanian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, he'll probably be the number one in the majority of leagues. But, you know, there's a lot of mileage there, Kyle, and there are injuries in his background. He is going to finish with his second most touches ever in his career. Now, you got to go back. I think, yeah, 2019, he had 403. He's not going to get to 400. I, I wouldn't think. Uh, he's at 301. He's probably a pretty good bet rate to be around 370. Mm -hmm. with three more games to go. Right. Um, now we'll see if we use them. But you're talking probably about 280 rush attempts, uh, which would be right in line with his career best. The receptions are down. That's what's kind of crazy about this. I mean, Ray, we, we had years and, you know, do I need to remind you how good Christian McCaffrey is? We had back-to-back -back years of 107 and 116 catches. Yeah. He's at 57 this year. Now nobody's moaning and complaining. You know, if he gets to 70 catches, no one's going to say, yeah, but he didn't get 115 like he had in 2017. But he will be 28. Mm -hmm. But, man, ever since he got to San Francisco, Ray, it's just like automatic. Yeah. You know, at week 14, he didn't score a touchdown. It's like, what? 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 <laughs> like, you expect multiple touchdowns from this guy almost every single week. And to your point with Eckler, the system changed there. It ain't changing in San Francisco. We know Kyle Shanahan's going to be there next year. We know Ayuk, Debo, Purdy. Uh, all these guys are going to be back next year. No, nothing should change 
with the 49ers offense for next season. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and, you know, McCaffrey is one of these guys too. I, I think he runs hard, so he runs differently than Sean Alexander. But I always have this image in my head of Sean Alexander never really getting hit, right? He kind of slid off things. Maybe he'd go out of bounds here. McCaffrey doesn't – he rarely gets lit up, right, mm-hmm. which I think does help. He's got that innate ability to just twist a little bit or turn or you know, angle his body so it, it just doesn't quite get there. But, you know, he's got a legitimate chance – to set a career high and carry till he's only 43 carries off his career high. So he's probably going to set that in it, even though he's not setting the touch mark. And yeah. I, it's, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, the offense should remain virtually identical. Uh, his production obviously is elite when he's healthy. And uh, the, for those people that don't draft running backs early, they will have that question next year if they have the number one pick. Will, will Purdy be a top eight quarterback? And, and again, rewinding the clock in August, Ray. You know, we we had the injury concern. Would he be even healthy for week one? And we learned probably in mid-August, yeah, he's he's going to be fine. He'll be ready to go in week one. So in those last two weeks, though, Ray, he was still like a, a, a mid-QB2 is mm-hmm. where people were drafting. There was still like, uh, I don't know if we can say he's legit yet. I, I think at this point, Ray, you have to say he's a QB1. It's just how high is he? He's still not going to give you, you know, 70-yard rushing games. And he's not going to give you rushing touchdowns. So I, I guess we're, I, I'll say this, right? He's probably ahead of Justin Herbert going into next season. And that's pretty wild to see that leap for Purdy and that fallback for, for Herbert with four months of play. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, I'm not going to disagree with that statement, but the funny thing is if you ask 32 general managers, they'd all take Herbert over <laughs> Purdy, every one of them, including the Niners. Right. But ah! yeah, I'm, yeah, maybe not 31 out of 32. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns. Pretty Top 10, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Because, again, you know, watch the film from yesterday. You know, Christian McCaffrey was so wide open, he fell over. Literally fell to the ground. <laughs> and they got, got up and ran into the end zone and had 30 feet between him and the nearest defender. Debo Samuel is just staring, standing at the goal line with no one within. You know, at some yeah. point, you can't just always scheme guys wide open. At some point, it catches up to you a little bit. A little surprising to see Arizona get 29 points. I, I think they averaged almost eight yards a carry. Yeah, kind of wild. Rushing yards, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think San Francisco was missing a couple of D tackles. So that, that was the best way for the Cardinals to move the ball. Uh, Kyler Murray, it's, you know, he's the same guy he's always been. It's it's nothing too special. Uh, Trey McBride, though, Ray, continues to be special. You know, at 10 catches. And, and every week that guy's producing. He's... Mm-hmm. I'd have to look up the exact dates and, and time spans, Ray, but I feel like if you take the last six weeks at tight end, mm-hmm. there's nobody better than Trey McBride, right? At tight end, he's got to be number one or number two ahead of guys like Travis Kelsey. Even Trey McBride has become kind of Travis Kelsey, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he doesn't have the touchdown. I'm looking at it since week 10. Uh, McBride is actually third at tight end, but that's because he had a bye. If you look at his per game performance, he's scoring 17.3 points a game. Njoku's at 15.6 and Laporta's at 15.5. Wow. So to your point, since the 10th week of the season, the highest scoring tight end on a per game basis has been Trey McBride. I got to say, Ray, the the biggest and most important development in fantasy sports or fantasy football this year is tight end. Mm -hmm. It's it's we have complained and complained and complained. It's good. It's strong. How about that? Like, Ray, there's a good 10 guys now. And it was just two years ago, it was like three guys. 
Yeah. And all of a sudden, remember Brock Bowers, who's a high now, you know, Kyle Pitts. We have that. (laughs) Brock Bowers is supposed to be the same level as Kyle Pitts. So there's another young guy. I mean, it's it's impressive what this position, the jump it has made, and kudos to the rookies. You know, the rookie tight ends are usually failures, Ray. They Mm -hmm. don't do anything. Yeah. But they're doing things this year. Laporta the other night, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. McBride's not a rookie, but this position has gotten loads better in just five months' time. It has. And if you look at the top 10, um, you know, David Njoku, who's taken another level with Joe Flacco under center. You've got Cole Komet, who isn't a superstar, but, you know, five catches, 55 yards a week. He's He's been there. Jake Ferguson, who we talked about earlier, has had success. And, you know, Dalton Kincaid struggled yesterday, but yeah, to your point, he's done a very good job. And then we still have guys like Dalton Schultz and Kyle Pitts and you know Hunter Henry. These guys are big games. Here and, yeah. yeah, so it's it it has turned out to be a scenario where you don't have to stream tight ends, which I felt a lot of people hadn't been doing the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and and like this year, the argument, you know, the Kelsey thing with PPR leagues, and people were saying you take him number one, you can take him top three, top five. He's probably out of the first round next year, isn't he? Yeah, I, I I think, and he's been fine this year. Okay, I'm not, but but he's been down from his usual greatness. Let's go to that Kansas City New England game. Um, again, easy win. You know, this wasn't really a game. New England hung around for a half. Kansas City needed a victory, and they needed some decent offense. And lo and behold, Ray, they got it from Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. <laughs> like, no Isaiah Pacheco, and it's not so much that. You know, McKinnon and CEH are getting 20 touches. They aren't, but they have kind of been a key component in this offense, along with Rashi Rice. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Kelsey and Mahomes, you kind of come out of another game and you say this was a blah showing for Mahomes. This was a bad showing for Travis Kelsey. It's Rice, it's Edwards Alaire, and it's Jarek McKinnon who were the stars on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, I mean... <clears throat> Kadarius Tony, I know his teammates support him, but he stinks. Let's just call him. I, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is close to not supporting. Did you yeah. see after the, the pass that went off his hands for a pick? Mahomes was pissed. I, I, I He may have confused Tony for that referee last week. He, he, <laughs> I didn't go up and yell at Tony like he did right. the ref. But, Ray, you talk about a guy steaming yeah. on the sideline. That was Patrick Mahomes. And the, the Chiefs may have faith. I don't know if Mahomes has any more faith in Tony. Yeah, when you throw a 41 mile an hour pass right into a guy's hands, nice and easy, <laughs> right into his hands, and he goes hoo, 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 and knocks it up in the air for an interception, you get a little upset. Uh, Mahomes still did his 302, but he did have the two picks. One was completely undeserved. But, you know, I, I still find myself, you know, they won the game, like you said, they moved to nine and five, they beat an inferior opponent. Were you impressed by anything yesterday? No. I mean, this, this team still has to have Jarek McKinnon throw a touchdown pass. Like, that's their offense. You know, Jerk it's like it's not even a real play. It's fake. They they've got the they're at the end of the game, they took a knee on fourth down, or what, what the hell was it? It's like, come on, man. I, they found a way to win. They're gonna make the playoffs. No one's gonna want to play them. Yeah. But this offense is still, you know, it's too much smoke and mirrors, man. They need to establish things. And to your point, Travis Kelsey, you know, he hurt, I guess they're calling it a stinger. He went off the field with his left arm, you know, was his elbow it looked like, but they call it a singer. Guys dropping passes all over the field still. That mm-hmm. that team won a football game they should have won, but I was not impressed by the effort. And and we sometimes forget Kelsey's probably been hurt all season. Remember, he didn't play in week one. 
Mm-hmm. He had a knee injury. It's not like the knee suddenly got better. You don't play football for 15 weeks and the knee's getting better. It's only getting worse. So he's toughing it out. And if you've got him, you're getting fine numbers. You just drafted him for great numbers. Right. Um, and the greatness has not really followed. We should note with the Chiefs, Ray, um, Isaiah Pacheco, that this was what Thursday? I guess it was Friday. A- Andy Reid said there was a shoulder surgery. Yeah. But they think Pacheco, I guess, has a shot in week 16. I, I don't, it, it seems silly to force him back on the field. <laughs> but for a Pacheco owner, I, I don't know what to do with the guy. I, I, I don't think he's going to play. It, why waste him in these games against fairly weak competition when you have McKinnon and Edwards Alaire? You, you don't need to push it with Pacheco down the stretch. Well, I mean, I'd th- and I, I'm going to say, you know, I had, I've had toe surgery before, quote unquote, like a matrixectomy, you know, ingrown toenail and stuff. I don't. I couldn't have played a football game ten days later from a, just a minor, you know, give a shot in your toe. How the hell do you have shoulder surgery and play a football game ten days later? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like seriously, right? Oh, it's arthroscopic. I don't care. That's crazy. That's bananas. So I don't. I mean, I don't even know if it's realistic that he would play. And I have Pacheco in, in leagues all over the place. I'm in the playoffs, and I, yeah, it sucks. Um, I don't know. Like I don't know. I would not be expecting him at this point to be playing the next game for the Chiefs. I agree with your point there, Kyle. On the Patriots' side, the defense is still good. Uh, the offense is still bad. That that kind of wraps it up for the Patriots. Uh, Zeke Elliott was unable to, you know, kind of cheapen his way to PPR uh, legitimacy. He touched the ball, I think, 15 times or so. But uh, I think people were hoping for more than 20 from Zeke. Didn't get it in that loss yesterday to the Chiefs. Uh, let's stay out in the AFC East, Ray, and go to Miami. Um, I, I wonder, yesterday, you're on Twitter. Tyreek Hill's not going to be there. The Jets on defense. What was your vibe on Tua? Because I'm guessing when people find out that a guy like Tonga Vailoa doesn't have this MVP-level receiver and he's up against the Jets, I'm guessing many people were bailing on Tua Tonga Vailoa and kind of worried about finding points and finding fantasy success with Tonga Vailoa. Yeah, I, I had to spend about five minutes when all the information came out with health and redo everything in the rankings before I could continue to answer the questions. And the... There were we talked about this last week. There were people saying Sauce Gardner and the Jets. There were people saying the weather. There were people worried about H and and Hill's yeah. you know health. And that's like uh, maybe I'm missing something. But doesn't Tua Tungavaloa lead the NFL in passing yards heading into the game? And isn't he someone that everyone says is a great quarterback? They always argue. They always argue he's a great quarterback. And you take Tyreek Hill away, and it's panic in the streets. The, number one, the weather wasn't that bad, and that's mm-hmm. always that's something that continues to be blown out of proportion by most people. Like, there are games where the weather is bad. It was not a bad weather game. The Jets are a terrible football team. I'm sorry. They're a terrible football team. Their coaching is horrible. People were nervous about Tua Tungvaloa. I dropped him two spots in the rankings okay. with, the, with, the, with the Hill being out. So he, was, he, was, he went from 11 to 13 or whatever the hell it was in, in the rankings yesterday. But there were a lot of people that – I'd started the Derek Carr, Sam Howell, like that whole discussion – he went from two. I went from being a guy. Yeah, I want to start to a guy that I don't really want to start. It was pretty surprising. And and I'm not here to say he like uh, you know threw for four touchdowns. He didn't actually Ray, the the points wise. He didn't do all that. It was well. disappointing. Yep. But the Dolphins did just fine. It's really they didn't ask him to do anything. He threw 24 passes in this game. This this was an obliteration of the Jets and. Jalen Waddle picked up and covered for Tyreek Hill, so that was nice to see. Raheem Mostert, two more touchdowns. Um, everything's going right for the Dolphins. On the Jets' side, right, it's just more and more of a disaster. It's kind of mind-blowing. Brees Hall, 
Last nine games for Brees Hall, he is averaging 2.6 yards a carry. Nine games. Now, there are excuses here. Okay, quarterback play sucks. The offensive line sucks. But if you're in a non-PPR league, Brees Hall has been an absolute waste of your time this year. He really has. Um, Garrett Wilson, I start him every week. You have to. He didn't do anything yesterday. And this thing with Zach Wilson, Ray, and I I said even last week when he gets the win, and oh, wow, there's – he has no idea about giving up on a play. Like this constant spinning around and dropping back 20 yards. Yeah. On play, it's like he is a he is a schoolyard QB, mm-hmm. and he's not good at it. <laughs> so that that's the problem with with Zach Wilson is he he doesn't have really the understanding of how to be a quarterback. And you know, Justin Fields is fighting this a bit too. He holds onto the ball a lot, but Fields has much better mobility. And when Fields is holding onto the ball, he's still moving forward with the ball. Zach Wilson Ray retreats with the ball, right. which is the worst thing in the world you could do as a quarterback is retreating when you're scrambling. Fields at least moves side to side or forward. Right. Zach Wilson is is getting sacks. He's got to lead the NFL in sacks where they lost more than 12 yards this year. He's got to have 15 of those. I bet this season it feels like. Yeah, you 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 step up as a quarterback, not back. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what they teach you when you're a pocket passer, and he's a pocket passer. Uh, the, you never spin and turn your back to the opponent. You don't do that. I know guys do it, but as a quarterback, you never turn your back. So you never should, you should never spin clockwise. Zach never should do that. Um, it's, he's not, he's not good. They missed. All right. They missed. He's, he's not a franchise quarterback. Could he be coached up to the point where he could win football games? I think he could, but to, to my point, and you guys I don't know. Here. We're probably past that point, right? Well, coaching him up. Shouldn't that have happened in the it, previous Well, that's my – the point is I think this coaching staff is terrible. Mm. And you've said this okay, many well, times. If you ever – and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, there's – I guess he's got to be activated by Wednesday. It's doubtful he is. Exactly. But, Ray, next year they're going to have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, is the coaching staff going to ruin things if they have Aaron Rodgers? I mean, they, they're probably going to be penciled in for 10 wins. I don't know if that's right, but they'll be penciled in for 10 wins because they got a good defense and they have Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. It'll almost be like this year never happened. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, Kyle. Who's their offensive coordinator? I have no idea. Happened to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett. What did the Broncos look like last year? Ass. What do the Jets look like this year? Ass. What's the commonality? Nathaniel Hackett. He is terrible. Jeff Mann is probably not going anywhere because Aaron Rodgers wants Nathaniel Hackett. And why does he want him there? Because Aaron Rodgers does whatever the hell he wants. (laughs) And he wants an offensive coordinator that won't tell him to do something different. Did did you see, there there was a moment, and you know, we're all watching different feeds, different games, jumping around. Did you see, there was a moment, Ray, yesterday where they showed like a close-up of Aaron Rodgers, kind of just his face on the whole screen. And he had the, the headset on. And he was, well, I, I didn't see, to me, right, he was pissed off at the play calling and like rolling his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell he was, whatever he was hearing, mm-hmm. he was disgusted by. Mm-hmm. So it, it's wild that, and hey, good for him. He's part of the team, you know, he's where that, but Ray, he has no faith. Like he he's disgusted already. The guy's taken 10 snaps this year and he's given right. up, I think, on the coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. And, it, it, you know, they, just think back, right? Just think back. This team is starting Tim Boyle. 
Like, what are you doing? Like the, the coaching staff. Had, and again, Nathaniel Hackett and Jeff Manns has spent hours talking about this, writing about this. Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett is one of the worst coaches in NFL history. He's inept. Like he's legitimately inept. And the only reason he's ever been a thing is because of his name and because of Aaron Rodgers. That's it. So they're going to run it back. They're yep. going to run it back next year, Kyle. And we'll, and we'll see. And it will be better because Aaron Rodgers will be a better option under center, but he's another year older. He's coming back from the major, major issue with his Achilles. This offense has got a lot, you know, you can't just throw Aaron Rodgers out there and all of a sudden score 30 points a week. That's not how it works. Wilson and Hall, Ray Rodgers is back. At, let's just play this out. Yeah. Is Wilson a high end wide receiver too? And is Hall an RB one? Or is Hall an RB two? If if we play it out that Rodgers is back, does he make that much of a difference for these guys? I think Garrett Wilson in that scenario will be drafted as a two, and I think that's fair. I think that in that scenario, Hall should be looked at as a running back one because my assumption would be that we're not going to see you know a lot of shared stuff out of the backfield. We're going to see you know 17, 18 touches a week in an offense that can be effective. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. So if you have these guys in the keeper dynasty, don't panic. There is a, a theoretically a light at the end of the tunnel, provided Aaron Rodgers doesn't decide to go off in, the, in a retreat and smoke ayahuasca for the rest of his life and never play <laughs> football again. You never know. Well, there, there's a question in the chat room, Mike. Uh, you know, is there any concern that Rodgers won't return? I'd say that's doubtful. A guy like Aaron Rodgers, never, any player, doesn't want their career to end the way it would end if he decided to leave you know, where, where he blows out an Achilles. He's, and if he has been working as hard as we're led to believe to get back this year, I don't think there's any doubt he's back next year. Well, I, I don't think, I think it's fair to consider he could walk away just because of how he seems to just do whatever he wants, but I don't think he will for the following reason. He's an egomaniac and no one cares about you when you're going to the grocery store to buy food. They care about you when you're on the football field on a Sunday. So I don't think this guy's ever going to retire until he can't do it anymore because he cannot, cannot be the do anything but be the center of attention in his mind that's all there is in life let's go to cleveland uh cleveland browns they are winning with a backup a very old backup joe flacco had one of those classic fantasy games ray where he wasn't that good Mm -hmm. like it wouldn't have surprised me if i looked at the box score after watching that game yesterday and he had six interceptions like he, he there were a lot of passes that were iffy but when it's all said and done, what do we get? 375 yards and two touchdowns, another comeback win. Uh, the Flacco thing's working. For any of those desperate fantasy players, Ray, who took a shot on Joe Flacco three weeks ago, it's it's mind-blowing to see the Cleveland Browns averaging like 45 pass attempts a week. I, I think they were at 35 before Flacco. And all of a sudden, Ray, this team that has been run, 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 is now pass, 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 pass with Joe Flacco taking over. Yeah, and in opposition to the Jets, this is a coaching staff that, yes, that that's coaching. I mean, Stefanski and that crew, this is their fourth quarterback. Fourth quarterback, an old dude off the street, right? And they're nine and five. They, their offensive line, they're down to one offensive lineman mm-hmm. that started in week one right now that left. They've lost the best running back in football, Nick Chubb. I mean, this is, this, this is coaching, right? <laughs> and it, it couldn't be more different than the Jets. And it's really fascinating to see that, you know, how big a mistake was Deshaun Watson? My goodness. Oh. For all the obvious reasons. And then just on the football field, because you're right. This offense has, like, been transformed. And they're not running the football, 
right? They ran the leader yesterday was Ford with 20 yards. They're not having any success running the football. They're yeah. still in games. They're still winning games with Joe Flacco throwing it 45 times. It's pretty fascinating to watch and good for them. And, and they're a little bit like Dallas. I, I think Cleveland is when they're home, they're a different animal. When you put them on the road, it, it doesn't work as well for the Cleveland Browns. So being at home does help. Um, you mentioned the rushing attack. I think it's five straight games where Ford hasn't had more than 12 carries, which when he took over for Kareem, or excuse me, for a Nick Chubb, he kind of thought, okay, he'll be good for, you know, 15 to 18 carries a week. It's not happening. So that, that's been a little bit of a disappointment. He hasn't been bad, but probably more okay. And people thought he'd be good in this offense. On the other side, Ray, the Bears running backs. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I'm just staying away. But I know a lot of people are, are turning to Foreman. Um, utter disaster for him yesterday. Nobody ran well. Uh, Justin Fields. It was not a good game for him. Uh, he was up against a good defense. The thing with Fields, Ray, what do you have yesterday? Seven official rushing attempts. Mm -hmm. In the previous three weeks, he'd been like 14 rushing attempts. And we can talk about long-term and how can a quarterback survive all this hitting and Justin Fields should be more of a pocket passer. Like all. The fact of the matter, Ray, is the Bears – are a worry when they let Justin Fields run. When they don't, teams don't have to worry about the Bears. And and I guess long term, it's an issue about Justin Fields running the football and taking hits and all that. But in the short term, it's pretty simple. If if he is being restrained from running, they ain't winning. And yesterday's kind of restraining him from running. That his best talent, whether you like it or not, whether you want your quarterback to be in the pocket or out of the his best talent rate is running the football. That's really what he is. He, he can hurt you with the pass occasionally, but you, you've got to embrace the run. And they did that the previous three weeks, and then they stopped against Cleveland yesterday. Yeah, how many – like one design run yesterday? Like they didn't do it. Yeah. They just had him sit in the – which was like that's – your to your point, that's I, – I get it. I get why you wanted that, but that doesn't work against Cleveland, and it's not going to work for your offense. Um, you need to – and, and, and Fields is such a special player too because when he, he glides – right? He runs into people. They don't tackle him. Like he's, I don't want to tackle that guy. He's mm -hmm. a huge dude. And he's, and it's it, his ability to run like Lamar Jackson's slippery. I, I see Justin Fields and he's powerful. Like there's a difference in the running. He's more Josh Allen. Uh, and I agree with you. They need to open things up. We need it for the fantasy space. They need it for their offense. I also want to point out just in case people didn't see this game and you know where I'm going with this, Kyle. Uh, he had a 75 yard pass that he threw into Robert Tunyon's hands. That yeah. Robert Tunyon went ooh, 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 yeah. and dropped. It was a 75-yard touchdown. And then on the final play of the game, it was a Hail Mary, right? On the final play of the game, Darnell Mooney had the ball in his hands. <laughs> He's sitting on the ground. The ball was – if you haven't seen this, folks, go look it up. Darnell Mooney's got the bounces, it, you know, deflects, falls down in Darnell Mooney, who's sitting on the ground, falls right into his hands. And he goes – knocks it yeah. up in the air. So not only was it an incomplete pass, not only was it not a touchdown, it turned into an interception. Yeah. So – well, and his other interception was at the end of the first half. Yeah. Kind of just a desperation heave. And, and if you look at that last drive, uh, Fields had a huge pass play of like 30 yards. That was a good look and a good spot. I, I continue to read every – more people than not, Ray, are like, yeah, draft a quarterback this year. That, that's what people are saying with the Bears. And right now I think Carolina, they owe their first pick to the Bears. Bears would have the number one overall pick this year. And we keep hearing Caleb Williams, Drake May. I get it. I get it. 
But Ray, I guess I'm I'm a sucker because if I'm the Bears and I'm sitting in that one spot, I'm finding a, a QB needy team who is going to give me the world right. for that number one pick. Right. And and I'm a fan of hey, I've got a good enough quarterback. I think they do. Mm-hmm. I think I may be wrong. Everybody else thinks I'm wrong. They, they're they're done with Fields. They want to restart the clock on a, on a young QB. I want five draft picks. Maybe I bring in another DJ Moore. You know, it, it it's and we'll just have to see what the Bears do. But I, I say it every week and I'll just reiterate it. They, they lose yesterday. Fields was not good. People will look at the picks or maybe a missed throw here. Like I, I still think, Ray, the Bears are better served by loading up on draft picks and, you know, going out and getting cheap. Play. You can afford to pay your quarterback a lot more if you have all these draft picks coming in. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the way I go. But again, I'm in the minority. People are like, no, man, they, they got to give up on Fields, trade him. And bring in a brand new quarterback like Caleb Williams. And I'll just warn everybody, last season, Bryce Young was the guy to have. That's what everybody said. And this year, it's going to be Caleb Williams. It's not always perfect. These people don't know what they're doing. Nobody has like a hit rate of over 40%, I don't think. (laughs) So be wary of all these. Well, we've never seen a prospect like this in 10 years. So often, that's pure silliness. Yeah. And just to put a bow on this from my perspective, too, if you saw, if you didn't see the game yesterday, watch the touchdown pass that Fields threw to Cole Komet. And that's a touchdown pass yeah. that I don't think 10 quarterbacks in the NFL make, legitimately. He rolled left and fired a strike into a tight zone for a t- Quarterbacks don't make that play. He mm-hmm. got out of a sack, ran around to his left, and threw it on the run. Guys don't make that. He went 166, one and two yesterday. If those two plays had been caught when the balls were in his receiver's hands, all of a sudden is 166, one and two is 283 and one. Yeah. How different is the perception with that? Even if you don't like Justin Fields, well, hell, he threw for 280, three touchdowns. We won the football game. That's not his fault that his numbers weren't 283 and one. Great point. Great point there. Uh, let's go to Tampa. Or we'll go to Green Bay where Tampa got a win against Green Bay. I saw that this was the first Packers loss at Lambeau in December uh, since 2018. And they really weren't in this game. It was pretty ugly for the Packers. Ray, it was great for Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Game of the season. And for a Justin Herbert owner or CJ Stroud owner who could make this move, boy, they're singing to the fantasy gods after watching Baker Mayfield yesterday. Yeah, I, I told a couple people to play Baker Mayfield, but he didn't come <laughs> up a ton. Uh, a lot. Of, he came up a lot with the DeVitos and the you know the Ritters, so he was the choice out of that group. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no one saw a perfect you know one fifty eight three QB rating, four touchdowns, the three hundred eighty yards. Played a he played a good game. He got the ball to his guys. Godwin had a huge effort, ten catches for one hundred fifty five mm-hmm. yards. Uh, he spread the ball around, got everyone involved. You know, White had his hundred yards from scrimmage yet again. Uh, it was a good game from the Bucs side, not so much on the Packers side. Yeah, Rashad White's kind of having what Ramondre Stevenson had last season, where nobody really pays attention, and then you look up at the end of the year like, wow, RB1 in a PPR setup. Uh, Rashad White, 130-plus yards, another touchdown mm-hmm. every week with that guy. Um, on the Packers side, Ray, it's the wide receiver pool is so disappointing with Green Bay. These guys, it's it's like a uh, more important New York Giants. Whereas, and what I mean by that, the Giants receivers, it's like, who cares? But every week it's a different guy. And then like people go to the waiver wire. They've been doing this all. Say, oh, I want this guy. No, this guy, he's the new one to have. Oh no, this guy. And it's a mess all year. The Packers are an offense where it's actually worth maybe having some of these receivers. But Ray, they've got the same problem. And I guess it's a good problem from the Packers side, but nobody stepped up here. 
They, they just haven't been able to find any consistency. Uh, Romeo, Do I mean, Dottavian Wicks is leading this team in receiving, and Christian Watson is out, and Romeo Dobbs is doing nothing. Uh, been a real mess with all these young receivers for the Packers this year. Yeah, Romeo Dobbs led the team yesterday in snaps at the wide receiver position, in routes run at the wide receiver position, and he got three targets. I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're doing. Okay, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is straight coaching, if this is the way Love has been taught, if this is just Love saying I'm going to hit guys that are open that I feel you know the play calls for whatever. But you know, to your point, and they said this on the broadcast over and over again: the young talent, the young talent, the young talent. They have a lot of young talent. It doesn't matter if every week everyone's getting three targets. It doesn't work. That mm -hmm. does not work. You've got to have an alpha, and they don't. They don't even have close to an alpha. And, you know, they got all these guys. And every week, like to your point, it's different. One week this guy's going for 15 yards a catch. The next week he's going for six yards a catch. One week he's getting seven targets. The next week it's three. I mean, it's a mess. And, you know, Jordan Love, just to, to say it, like, you know, he was fine yesterday. Like, you've talked about this. You can win football games with Jordan Love, mm -hmm. and they have this year, right? But I'm telling you, man, that guy does not – his mechanics are awful. He yeah. never steps into the throw. And these sales balls – and you saw yesterday, who was it at the goal line he missed? It's like, bro. In the first quarter, it was so wide open. Yeah. And, and yeah. Ray, he'll make other plays where you're yeah. like, yeah, but then the simple throws – uh, he just has like brain farts, if you well, will. You 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 step. People look at you. Step. You take your shoulder and oh you step. God, and you like drive into the instrument here. Yeah, I'm doing just defense. Football. You you turn your hips. You turn your shoulder. You drive <laughs> into the ball. He throws everything like he's sitting on a lawn chair, and that's why he's got no. You know, and that's why he missed that pass at the goal line because he didn't drive the football. He didn't do what Justin Fields Justin Fields did. Justin Fields drove the football, threw it into a tight window. Jordan Love, woo! It doesn't work. So it, he's got skills and he's got weapons around him, but they need to tighten up the mechanics for him. And this offense, I mean, you know, like you said, it's just it's so frustrating from a fantasy perspective. I guess you go with Reed every week, and you know, he got in the end zone again, six catches, but fifty-two yards eh. left with an injury, by the yeah, way, too. Late January. Love needs to uh, hit the Uncle Rico quarterback score school in the off season, I think. Maybe learn from Uncle Rico, and, and, and then he'll be, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mike, Mike in the chat room. We, we were thinking the same thing, Mike. Uncle Point. Rico. Uh, let's move along. Houston was without C.J. Stroud. Somehow they went on the road and beat the Titans. How about that? Um, and a bit of a surprise. People were thinking Davis Mills would be the quarterback. Uh, instead, D'Amico Ryans goes with Case Keenum. Uh, Ray, the big one, and, and, and this would be really frustrating if I had Noah Brown. Because... Oh. Honestly, I, I would have told everybody to bench him yesterday. That that would have been my answer. Because you're going to Case Keenum, and Noah Brown has two straight games of goose eggs. But maybe we've got another Gabriel Davis on our hands. I don't know, Ray, but I bet Noah Brown was on a lot of benches yesterday. And he didn't explode, but this was a very good game. This was a, a wide receiver one kind of game. Eight catches, 80-plus yards, and a touchdown. And that came again off of two straight zeros for Noah Brown. Working with a backup quarterback somehow, some way, he pulls it off. Yeah, I had him 29th at wide receiver yesterday. So mm. you had him higher than I would have. It yeah. depended. You know, we got the news that Nico Collins was going to be out of the game. Uh, Case Keenum, pff, speaking of a guy that running around with his head cut off, he could have had four interceptions <laughs> yesterday. He made some terrible, including that pass to Schultz. Like, even the announcer were like, no! Luckily, yeah. Schultz pulled it out of the defender's hand. Uh, but yeah, Noah Brown stepped up. And, you know, it, it comes down to a point where, you know, you're without Tank Dell. You're without Nico Collins. What do you got? You know, you got you got all these guys, whether they're youngsters like Mitch or old guys like Woods. They're kind of just guys. And Brown's the 
one player that they could conceivably get involved heavily, and they did. He got 11 targets, caught eight of them for 82 yards in the touchdown, and he had a really strong game for those people that had no choice but to play him yesterday. And Devin Singletary, Ray, finally, you think Houston realizes what finally. they have in Devin Singletary? Maybe. Jeez. Yeah. 30 touches. And which you should get. I don't know if he should be getting 30, but right. you know, at least 20 every week. It should be the MO there. Yeah. Um, and he had a game winning touchdown that got called back on a penalty. Yeah. He would have won the game with the touchdown there, too. So as for the Titans, wow, Ray, I never thought I would look up and see Derrick Henry with 20 touches for 10 yards. It's impossible. 20 touches. And then Tajay Spears was getting the OT work. He was out there on the drives carrying the football. Uh Will Levis got pretzeled late yeah i think they said after the game he's fine i'm not really buying that <laughs> we'll see with it look good yeah yeah but the derrick henry like ray if you're still alive going in, i i guess he has created touchdowns this year this you've got to start him you do and and next year you can reassess and you can not draft him but i mean yesterday's a killer it just beats you up he he's, might be your rb1 certainly your rb2 and a big fat zero for the most part, even less than zero if you can pull off such a thing with Derrick Henry. Yeah, there's two things I love there. One, I love watching DeAndre Hopkins run routes and Will Levis just throw the ball out of bounds. <laughs> that happens every game multiple times. Hopkins is like, dude, the ball's 15 Net feet out of bounds. Nine targets, two catches. Yeah, you're, you just threw the ball 15 feet out of bounds, dude. I'm standing right here. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But the Henry thing is, uh, I mean, to think, is Derrick Henry what he once was? No, all these kind of things. I get it. But you've got Hopkins and Henry, two guys that you know legitimately can end up in Canton one day, right? And you can't figure out how to just get him the ball, like you know, even if it's nothing, get him the ball. And uh, you know, the offensive line is 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 bad. And they commented this on the broadcast over and over again. The the Texans did not worry one second that Will Levis was going to beat him as a passer, so they just stacked mm -hmm. the box. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, you know, so, and Henry can't do it on his own anymore. He's just not that point of his career. Let's move to New Orleans and New York. Uh, Tommy DeVito's magic uh, does not work on the Bayou. Um, Chris Olave not in this game, and Derek Carr had his best game of the season. <laughs> well, he had three touchdowns. I thought it was, well, 24 yeah. 28. No, no picks. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, what do you do when you don't have Olave, Ray? You throw to Keith Kirkwood, Jawan Johnson, and Jimmy Graham. Those are your three touchdowns. <laughs> I, I think it was 10 different dudes had catches for the Saints. Nobody had more than. 44 yards. Was that Alvin yeah, yeah, Kamara at the top 44 yards? So fantasy wise, I don't have any takeaways here. I will say Taysom Hill was back, Ray, but Taysom Hill, nothing. One pass, one rush, one catch. That was it for Taysom Hill. It was a it was a disaster there. I don't know how many people are still starting him. But I bet people were with him active against the Giants. Yeah, and there were people that, you know, Sunday mornings that do that at Series X and Fantasy, start him, sit him. Uh, there, I, I probably told five to ten people to play Hill. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't the answer every time, but he was the answer some of the time. And I mean, you look at this and you look at an offense that doesn't have Michael Thomas. You look at an offense that doesn't have Chris Olave. You got a beat up quarterback and Derek Carr. How is that the scenario? And I know Taysom Hill's beat up, but how is that scenario where Taysom Hill disappears from the offense? Mm -hmm. Two touches, right? Two? Yeah. Two touches. He threw a pass like that. That was the least amount of work he had seen in what would seem like a game where he's guaranteed to get 10 touches, but that's not what they did. A couple of milestones to point out there. Alvin Kamara has played seven years in the NFL every single year, over a thousand total yards. Uh, so congrats to him. And then Derek Carr Ray becomes the third quarterback in the history of the NFL 
to start his career with 10 straight years of at least 3,000 yards passing. Uh, the list, I what is it? Derek Carr, Peyton Manning, and I think Russell Wilson. That's your list. So Derek Carr is now in that level. Um, who is not in that level? Desmond Ritter is not in that letter. Uh, Ray, how much time? What do we got? 30 seconds to talk Panthers. Well, I mean, Desmond Ritter is, he he will never, he's he's in the Zach Wilson zone. He'll never do yeah. it. He's not, he is awful. He is straight awful. That interception, again, man, I don't, every week he has a turnover where you, and you're looking at him and it's like, bro, a high school kid doesn't do that. Like, how do you not see that? So bad, Kyle, so bad. A lot of runs for uh, Chubba Hubbard. Good to see. Bryce Young was typical Bryce Young, except on the final drive. Um, and it was a driving rainstorm for like four quarters in Carolina. It was really bad. So Bryce Young, I think we're up to like six or seven straight games without 200 yards passing. But I will say at the end of that game, I think it was he had a, an 18, a 19, and a 20-yard completion on that final drive that got them in field goal range to win that game. Um, Arthur Smith, you idiot. Uh, 14 carries for Tyler Algier. Like seven for Bijan Robinson. Your organization is built or uh, you built your team <laughs> around Kyle Pitts and Tyler uh, excuse me, and Bijan Robinson. That's what you did on draft day, right? And they don't use either one of them. <laughs> like I, I mean, and again, this is not. I mean, this is, I don't know how Arthur Smith keeps his job because it's not just the team, you know, you scored seven points, you lose a football game, you're not going anywhere. We went out and gave you the golden goose and you threw it in the garbage can. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, for the life of me, cannot understand that. Oh, and by the way, uh, the I, I love the touchdown pass. If you see Ritter had a touchdown pass, he went like this. Yeah. And, and Patterson ran and grabbed it. Okay, yeah. but I don't, so he... I don't understand the B. John Robinson thing, Kyle. It's I don't know how he still has a job. I don't have the people legitimately yeah. having to run him out of town in Atlanta. I don't I don't get it at all. He's done. He's done. This they they I mean, you lost to the Panthers. I'm sorry. You're done. You're finished. You're not coming back next year. Um, you were supposed to be an offensive guy. <laughs> this offense has talent galore, at least pedigree galore, and they're doing nothing with it. I didn't even mention Drake London, yeah, who went from 170 yards to 24. Great offense. No catches in like three quarters, I think it was, for London, something like that. Uh, Rams 28, Commanders 20. Kyron Williams, a ton of work, ton of success. Cooper Cup, back-to-back -back Cooper Cup weeks. Good mm -hmm. to see. Yep. Matthew Stafford still rolling along. The Rams look good. Mm -hmm. uh, Commanders had nothing in this game, right, until they threw Sam Howell on the bench and went Jacoby Brissett. Now, after the game, Ron Rivera says that Howell is still their QB, which I get. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't – I mean, the Commanders are going nowhere. They're 4-10. and 10, They're done. I, I don't think Hal's a guy I've said that all year consistently while other people are saying, oh, no, Sam Hal. No, I've, I've been out on Sam Hal from the get-go. Oh, but, Ray, they might as well play him and, and just make it decisive, you know, because they need to move on to somebody. They need to get Caleb Williams. They need to get Drake May, one of these guys. Uh, Terry McLaurin, good to see. It only happened because of Brissett, Ray. Yep. But finally, Terry McLaurin came through for the commanders and for fantasy owners. Yeah, the touchdown, I think, 78 of the yards. Uh, came from a quarterback that played a quarter uh, for Terry McLaurin because Jacoby Brissett, like I say all the time, Joe Flacco, what do you do? You throw the ball 15 times to your best guy. Jacoby Brissett says, guess what? I'm throwing the ball to Terry McLaurin. Woo! And it worked. Um, so, yeah, Sam Howell's not the answer. He's never been the answer. We've talked about this all season long. Um, you know, I agree with you, though. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's not the answer, right? It doesn't do any good to bring Brissett in. What are you going to win six games this year? Who cares? Lose the game, get the better draft pick, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, the, the offense is just – it's it it has its moments, 
Um, but it's just not very good. It's just a, an average offense that uses volume every week to try to put up points. Finally, let's go to the Sunday nighter. Um, pull away here is probably on the injury front. Uh, Baltimore wins 23 to 7. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been diagnosed with a concussion. So that'll be touch and go all week. And Keaton Mitchell Ray left early in the fourth quarter with a debilitating season ending kind of injury. It looked like, um, I don't know, maybe it's been confirmed by now. It looked like knee ACL, something like that, but the Ravens bad luck in the backfield continues. Yeah, that's, I mean, and you know, it's way too early to know this. Uh, I'm not saying it out of, you know, it, I mean, his career could be over. It, it was a catastrophic looking injury though. We thought the same thing with Nick Chubb and we're hearing Nick Chubb mm -hmm. might play next year. So let's keep our fingers crossed that, that that'll happen. Uh, but it was it was bad, and he's not he's done for the season. That's you know we're back yeah. to the, the the Gus Edwards zone as we were. Maybe Justice Hill carves out a role. He's played third downs and two minute drills all season long. Maybe he gets a, a little bit of work, and he's a, a, a desperation flex option this week for some folks. Isaiah likely uh, back to back good games for the uh, young tight end filling in for Mark Andrews. Had another touchdown, seventy yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson gets the win, but maybe the MVP talk uh, takes a bit of a backseat. I mean, that's the thing with Jackson. Every time he has a good game, everybody wants to say, oh my God, this guy's the NFL MVP. The very next week, he goes back to typical Lamar Jackson, which is great. I mean, he had almost 100 yards rushing, but the passing is, is still not there. Uh, what, 171 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Ravens, though, win. They're 11-3, and three, man. And the Jaguars are kind of treading water. Uh, they are now in trouble in the AFC South, believe it or not, because uh, record-wise, the Colts, Texans, and Jags are tied. Jags have the tiebreakers, but in terms of records, all of them are sitting in the same spot. Okay, that is your rundown of Sunday, game by game. But there is still one game to go. Yes, indeed, Monday night. I think it's going to be rainy. It's always rainy in Seattle this time of year. Uh, the Seahawks getting set to host the Philadelphia Eagles. And joining us now for the DFS Breakdown, as he does on Thursdays and as he does on Mondays, Ryan Clifford is back with us to talk Hawks and Eagles uh, Ryan, welcome in. How you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, quarterback, what are we seeing? What's, what's your thoughts uh, going into this game with kind of the situations for both Seattle and Philly? I, I would assume Hertz is playing. I would assume Drew Locke is playing. How are you handling it as a DFS smart? Yeah, that seems to be the assumption uh, for tonight, Locke and Hertz. I think um, looking from a captain perspective for this showdown slate, whether it's Hertz or Mariota, those guys are going to be uh, top captain options, I think, uh, with the dual threat ability. Um, you look at Seattle, I don't think Locke or Geno Smith, if he plays, neither one of those guys really strike me as the captain type. So, well, even from a captain perspective, Eagles quarterback is the way to go, I think. Um, now, now, from a flex perspective, I do like Drew Locke tonight. I think that the, the Seahawks match up well in the pass game against the Eagles defense. Um, uh, and you look at the Eagles, um, Jalen Hurts, how much is this injury or this illness going to hamper him is kind of the big question for me. Um, I saw a funny thing on Twitter today talking about how, you know, you should definitely roster Jalen Hurts tonight because if he's as sick as everybody says he is, no Seahawks defender is going to want to get within four. <laughs> Take that route too. <laughs> Right. When you talk about the pass catchers for Jalen Hurts, obviously it's Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. Uh, there's a sizable difference in their price points at DraftKings tonight. Uh, talk to us about those two wide receivers and which one, if either of them, has got your attention for this evening. 
Yeah, that's that's a, a tough one because as I'm going through this game, um, trying to come up with you know the best script that I think fits, uh, it's more of a DeAndre Swift game for me. So looking at the wide receivers, I think both of them are pretty pricey. Um, and looking at the other side of the game, I like the Seahawks receivers. So I think if I'm spending up at receiver, it's going to be for a DK Metcalf. Um, I think between the two, Smith and Brown, Brown obviously has the most upside. But again, in a game where it's actually uh, a lot lower, uh, a lot lower total than what I would think it would be. Um, so in a lower scoring game, uh, in a game that I don't think they're going to throw the ball very much, I think I'd lean to Smith just being the cheaper option. Ryan, there's four wide right, right receivers, obviously two for each team, Brown, Smith, uh, DK Metcalf, and then the fourth guy that you didn't mention, Tyler Lockett, and he's the least expensive of those four guys as well. You just mentioned you're not really into it. Okay, we're going with DK Metcalf, but is there a build where Lockett makes sense because of his price point, or is he just to stay away from you for this evening? Yeah, I, I like Lockett. I think the emergence of Smith and Jigba has kind of dampered uh, Lockett's fantasy production it seems uh in recent weeks at least so i do prefer smith and jigba the rookie to to lock it i prefer metcalf to lock it um probably prefer the eagles receivers to lock it so yeah he's he's kind of at the bottom of my list for me um i think it's it's worth noting that darius slay will be out tonight so that's a, a big upgrade i think for both of the seahawks starters you know, to kind of carry this point a little further and kind of the strategy of builds, um, a lot of people, Ryan, will have Jalen Hurts as their captain. I mean, he's he's going to be popular. People understand why. Many will then say, well, if I'm going to have Hurts as my captain, I, I need to have one of these Eagle receivers, you know, to tag team, double up those points, if you will. You're saying, would you go Metcalf even over those? If you have Hurts as your captain, because a lot of people think you just stack. You know, you got your captain. You got to get one of these receivers. Is that not the case? Do you still like Metcalf even in that scenario if somebody's captaining Hurts? Yeah, I think so. Um, Hurts makes a lot of sense for a captain, I think, as much for his rushing upside as it does for um, his passing upside. When I say rushing upside, you know, he's the goal line back, essentially, yeah. for the Eagles. So uh, you kind of give him a, a touchdown or two at the goal line. And he doesn't need to throw for 300 yards and, and three touchdowns to his receivers. So I think that getting Hurts in there a captain, you don't necessarily need a Devontae Smith or an A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard is a guy that I find myself playing a lot tonight. All right, let's talk a little bit about the backfield. You mentioned uh, DeAndre Swift earlier, and uh, obviously he's the lead back for the Eagles. He's pretty expensive uh, relative to the other running backs. I think he's the top guy this evening in terms of price point. Uh, is there a line of thought that says not only is Swift in line for maybe some more work, we've heard some talk from the, 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 the coaching staff about we need to get these guys involved a little bit more. Is there some thought that maybe near the goal line, Swift might get a little more work because of some concern with Jalen Hurts, or is that just taking things too far? You know, if it was more of an injury situation, I think I'd be more concerned about that being an illness. You know, I can't see him marching the team down the field, getting to the one yard line and being like, oh, I, too sick to run the tush push <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't really concern me too much um i think the looming kenneth gainwell uh is still getting tons of snaps and, and work there in the eagles backfield is what concerns me more about paying up for swift in terms of punts it sounds at least to me when i look at the, the names and your column is up we should note it's up there right now fantasyguru.com 
I look at the names for Philadelphia and Seattle that you have listed as possible punts, and I'm a lot more fired up about the Eagles side. <laughs> they seem to have, you know, three, four, maybe even five guys that they take a shot on as a punt for tonight. Yeah, I think the Eagles wide receivers, uh, Quez Watkins came back, and he's pretty much gotten the the wide receiver three job back. Um, so Olami Zacchaeus and Julio Jones pretty much demoted to, you know, 10, 20% snap shares now. So um, Watkins is a guy to look at. The Seattle tight ends are always interesting. Colby Parkinson, Will Disley, guys that play a ton, seem to be big red zone targets when they get down in that area. Um, and then look at a guy like Jake Bobo of the Seahawks. He's running as their fourth wide receiver, but again, he's on the field a ton. Um, I'm interested to see if the Eagles might dress Rashad Penny tonight being back in Seattle. I don't, I'm not sure if the coaching staff, you know, is kind of narrative driven like, like us fantasy players are, but that would be an interesting one too. Uh, we shall see kickoff 815. So that means those actives and inactives, which may include Penny. Uh, we'll come out 90 minutes before kickoff. Discord wide open. Ryan's going to be available there. Um, other analysts, other DFS players also available in Discord throughout the day. Uh, so if you're looking for help, head there. Column is up again. You might be surprised. Ryan does have a lot of scoring in this matchup. Um, I don't know if we'll get Thursday night football level scoring uh, with 63 points from the Raiders, but but maybe we get some more scoring than expected. So check out the column. Uh, hit up Ryan, Twitter, Discord, wherever. Ryan, appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll talk again on Thursday, and uh, then we'll Sounds send great, you into the holiday weekend. Okay, take care. Appreciate it. Ryan Clifford, as always, joining us on a Monday to get you set for that final game. And again, Ray, a lot on the line because there are stars, or I shouldn't say, there are starters everywhere. I, if, if you look at it, you probably got four to five Eagle starters that people are playing almost everywhere. Okay. And on the Seattle side, it, again, maybe four, maybe five, depending on what happens at quarterback. But that's a lot still to be determined. It may not be the greatest game. You know, Seattle's kind of fallen off the pace. But for fantasy players, I'm guessing a lot of eyeballs will be on that game tonight with so much on the line. Yeah, I mentioned myself. I'm in the FSGA playoffs. I've got DK Metcalf. My opponent has got Devonta Smith, and we're separated by two points going into tonight. So it's one of those two guys is going to come through for one of us. And I, I assume, like you said, there's a lot of people that will be paying very close attention to this game because they're not just guys that you like to play. There's guys that you always play on both sides here. So uh, let's hope it's a, it's a good night filled with offense uh, and big production and that everyone listening wins. Got you a good uh, 70 minutes or so of football. Obviously, tomorrow we'll be back with a lot more football recapping. The uh, Seahawks and the Eagles will get going at 11 a.m. Before we get out of here on this Monday, there is a bit of baseball to hit on. Uh, we haven't spoken to you in three days. Uh, we found out Friday of last week, Ray, uh, Max Scherzer will undergo a bit of back surgery. And they're saying June. I, I would just say at his age, with a back, the fact he was pretty well injured all of 2023, Ray, I'm kind of saying, you know, you hope you get a half year from Max Scherzer. Mm -hmm. You hope you get 15 to 18 starts from Max Scherzer. Um, this is unfortunately how it ends. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's been great. He's been out of control good. But unfortunately, this is how it ends. And for me, I'm not going to say I won't draft Max Scherzer. But anytime you're sitting there in like March and you're projecting out to June and July, it's just so tough to do, I think, with draft picks and saying, oh, I got a great bargain with Max Scherzer in the 18th round or something. Yeah, it depends, obviously, on your league. There are still some leagues that don't have IR spots, and drafting a guy like Scherzer when you know he's going to miss months is really difficult in that scenario. If you've got IR spots, I think it's, it you know, changes the equation. 
Scherzer was still good last year. Now he wasn't up to his previous greatness level, but he's still very good last year. And he's kind of in that, you know, Clayton Kershaw zone too, right? It's like these guys are still very effective when they're out there, but the question is how often can they get their bodies to work enough to get them out there? I hope everybody took me up on my offer to uh, bet the Royals to win the World Series. Uh, they brought Titleist Will Smith to the fold. Mm-hmm. Three straight years, he's won a title. And Ray, look at the spending. They've added two more names. Michael Walker and Hunter Renfro. This team's coming, man. They're, they're gunning for at least, you know, a top 22 finish in baseball this year, I think. <laughs> they're, they're gunning for the top two-thirds, huh, Kyle? Um, Is Michael Walker worth a damn? I, I mean, like, he had a decent year last yeah. year, did he not? <laughs> I mean, you know, you look at this rotation and the way it's set up now, Waka, Lugo, Singer, Lyles, and Cole Reagans. It's not bad. It's but not it's really, horrible, yeah. It's really not. Uh, now the Waka thing, you know, he he's in he's kind of in that same zone as Scherzer and Kershaw, not to their level, but he can't stay on the field. But when he's out there, you know, the last couple of years he's been really good. He's been very effective, and you know, he's thrown 127 and 134 innings, so there's not a lot of volume there. But I think it's a good signing. I think it's a good place for him to pitch. I think he can be very effective, uh, not a dominator, and not a guy that's going to make enough starts to really make a significant impact impact in most mixed leagues. We are still awaiting a uh, Yamamoto decision. Uh, we were told over the weekend that he had dinner with Steve Cohen. <laughs> you wouldn't want a freeload, would you? You get a free dinner, probably great wine, right? Butler service, and then you say, "I'm not interested." <laughs> I think I think as soon as he was done there, he said he wanted to talk to the Yankees again. So <laughs> let's see where they'll take me. <laughs> dinner. Uh, but anyway, we're so we're waiting on him to sign. Um, we did get a signing uh, late last night, maybe early this morning, a re-signing. In fact, you don't see that a lot in baseball. Uh, but Lourdes Goriel is staying with uh, Arizona. I think it's three years, a little over $40 million. And uh, Ray, he's one of those uh, fillers, I guess, in fantasy where you appreciate him if you have him. Right. He's not great. He's not going to set any records, but a, a solid bat. And Arizona's spending a bit of money. They re-signed Gurriel, and of course, they brought in uh, Eduardo Rodriguez as a free agent too earlier in the offseason. Uh, yeah, and uh, Eugenio Suarez too, right? Um, yeah. yeah, they. I think that I wrote that we have a free article over at fantasyguru.com and go check it out. It's the free agent article. We just keep a running tab of basically, you know, where everyone signs. And my comment there for Gurriel was basically like, you know, he's your fifth outfielder. Yay. Like, he, you know, he's, he's a, like I said, he's a, he's a good fill-in. Uh, I think the batting average last year was also career low, so he could see a little bit of a rebound there. But uh, just a solid guy, nothing sexy or exciting with him. But he's someone you can definitely turn to, especially when injuries start to hit in those deeper leagues. Yeah, I think he's great for five outfielder leagues. And heck, you get games in Colorado. You get a pretty good lineup in Arizona. So there's a lot of spots that you can use him. Um, So we'll see how that works out. Uh, More baseball uh, signings to hopefully happen. I'm hearing nothing with Blake Snell. I'm not hearing anything with Bellinger either, Ray. I mean... Neither of these guys, there's no movement, it sounds like. Yeah, there was some reporting of maybe 250 million was what he was hoping for. I saw another report over the weekend. Now they're thinking maybe 200. I don't know if that's because of a lack of interest or just that first number, as we suggested, was bananas to start with. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been kind of there. There was the high we got with Otani, and now we're kind of waiting. So let's get going, Major League Baseball. Let's go. Well, we are going into week 16. We've got to finish week 15 tonight in the NFL. Uh, good luck to everybody who needs some help this evening. Ray and I, again, will be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, as always, if you miss any portion of what we do here, you can dial it up on the uh, Fantasy Elite uh, Elite Guru uh, YouTube channel. Uh, that is available. We uh, keep all this stuff. What are we up to? 36 episodes, I think. We're 36 there. episodes, yeah. 
youtube.com um, slash at elite plus network and we also have it at the website so it's under the elite plus section and then on the website and they're all stored there as well there is never an excuse for not being able to find us because there's avenues everywhere uh ray good stuff hope you enjoyed week 15 enjoy tonight's action and we'll talk tomorrow sounds like a plan kyle Ray Flowers there, Kyle Elfreak here. Big thank you to everybody in our chat room. Back on Tuesday right here with Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.